Gunner, and I've been called many things. Gun enthusiast, monster hunter, doomsday prepper. I reject all these labels. What I am is a survivalist. I've scoured the dirt and dust of Nevada and Mexico, putting my life on the line to hunt supersized subterranean man-eating predators called graboids. Join me as I enter into and beneath the sands of hell. Welcome to Now Playing's Tremors Retrospective Series. This is important now. This is probably the biggest zoological discovery of the century. These creatures are absolutely unprecedented. Hosted by Arnie. I'm a masterpiece of self-destruction. Stuart. Well, I'm blessed with a sunny disposition. Most people seem to like it. And Jacob. You guys do what you do best. Find something simple and complicated. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Makes my skin crawl. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, life and survival starts here. Today we're discussing Tremors 5 Bloodlines, starring Jamie Kennedy and Michael Gross. There were other names, but I've only heard of two people in this cast, Jamie Kennedy and Michael Gross, directed by Don Michael Paul. This is the now playing co-host who has a I did some dirty things in Florida look, Arnie. And Stuart. My name is Jacob, and I've been called many things. Gun enthusiast, monster hunter, doomsday prepper. I reject all these labels. What I am is a podcaster. And what I am is surprised that there was a Tremors 5. Yeah, another big break between them. Yeah, I I mean, I liked the movie last week. I know you guys didn't, but, like, was it such a room clearer that they were like, we're done and we're never touching this again? It's 11 years until somebody gets the bright idea. Different creative forces, too. Everyone that was tightly involved with those first four movies is gone uh, now that we've reached 2015 in this movie. And again, I want to say I didn't hate that film. It just it was kind of boring, but it's passable. Like if you're Saturday afternoon, just need something to watch. I guess that's something to distract you. But did people just not like Westerns? Is that why it didn't get rented? I don't know that anyone knows exactly why it didn't get rented. It was always in the consciousness. And remember, four also came on the heels of that TV series. The TV series and the movie were filming at the same time, even if the movie took a little longer to get out. And There wasn't a whole lot of push for it, but there was a script. Stuart, you mentioned the original creators. They had written a script for a Tremors 5, and it kind of just languished until Universal 1440 got involved. Yeah, is that like an alternate universe like Marvel has? Yeah, it's the alternate universe where you can make sequels to movies you don't even know, like Backdraft 2 or what have you, and you're like, oh, what the... Yeah, I, I did look up this director. It's, it's This seems what he does. Like, he did... Apparently, Jarhead is a franchise, and he's done, like, a part three or four. There, There's some other franchise. Like, he comes on like, oh, yeah, there was one movie that I kind of remember. Oh, there's a whole bunch of them on video that I can rent? Okay, like, this is the director you get for that. Kindergarten Cop 2, that one was a real... With Dolph Lundgren, no less. <laughs> Lake Placid 4. like That's I, the one I was thinking, yes. I didn't know there was a 2 and 3. There's actually a lot of them. I re-watched Lake Placid the other night just so I could compare it to Tremors and know exactly what I'm in for. 
So, yes, that did happen to entertainment in the 11 years in between. There was a new, I guess, market for old properties. What it was is Universal was going to continue doing a new Tremors every few years, but Michael Gross was free of his contract. Oh, come on. He doesn't want to be free of that thing. He wants back in. He needs that Tremors money. I mean, is this sacrilegious to say, could they not conceive of making Tremors without him? I'll talk about it when we get to it in this film, but I thought there was a point where they were trying to tell us they were going to pass the torch to another actor. They had the script. The original creators wrote a script and decided, we've taken Michael Gross through time. The only way to keep this interesting is to put Burt Gummer on a different continent now. Which they've done. That was part two. Mexico's the same continent. Well, it's a, you know what I mean. It's, I guess it's a desert too where they film, but it, it was at least a different location. That was something I was wondering going in. Like th- one through three, we got a different evolution every time. Four, they put in a different time period. Okay, it makes it feel unique. If you're going to set it in modern day again, how, again, if you're just going to do worms, I, I need something more than that to be entertained. I demand more. I'm ADD. I, I was raised on MTV. So, like, what are they going to do? Oh, they're just going to go somewhere else. Yeah, you could have had a crossover, right? He could fight Leprechaun or something like that. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get the, what, uh, torture porn trimmers or, or maybe the found footage trimmers. Hey, th- I think there is torture porn. We'll talk about it when Michael Gross is locked in that lion cage. <laughs> well, what they had is a script called Tremors Gummer Down Under, where it was going to be Burt Gummer in Australia. And for sure, he was going to say, that's a gun, as he like pulls out some huge gun to blow up a, tr- a graboid. It was going to be with Aborigines in the outback fighting graboids. Then the DVD market apparently took a downturn around 2008, 2009. Yeah, there's a recession then. <laughs> Profit margins fell apart, and they just realized that they'd have to cut the budget so drastically that... Like, what would you do with a Tremors if it had no effects? Not CGI or practical. Don't put it out. <laughs> That's what you would do with it? The sock puppet adventure? That would be, um, that would probably be unwatchable. And so it kind of died. And then in 2011, some rumors started coming around and a producer from Universal 1440, don't know his name, was a big Tremors fan. And he uh, contacted the creators and said, I've got some money i'd like to make tremors 5 and partnered with you know because he was universal 1440 he contacted main universal to get distribution and even though tremors 4 didn't quite hit the numbers they decided all right we're gonna move ahead with tremors 5 and the original guys who like you mentioned weren't there were signed on as producers but as things kept going the ogden gavanski who I believe is the producer who went to them with the money, started changing the script and brought in this Don Michael Paul to do the directing. And more and more, their original script was rewritten and called not very good in interviews by Don Michael Paul. And they realized they were not going to have any creative control. So they asked for their names to be removed from this film, which ended up being Bert in South Africa because... Hey, it's cheap to film in South Africa. <laughs> oh, okay. But they did actually go. It feels like this actually did have the budget to actually leave, like, the desert of, you know, SoCal. Yeah, because they're getting better tax breaks than they could get in California, probably. 
No, I mean, that definitely did. That is a trend that I have seen. Like, Hollywood is losing all kinds of business, hemorrhaging people as business goes to Canada or Atlanta or, yeah, international. Yeah, I mean, this is better than Romania, is where I'll put it. You know, this is the time of those shitty Hellraiser sequels, too. Going to South Africa and setting the story in South Africa... I have no idea why Burt Gummer is claiming in this movie they can't be in the Southern Hemisphere. He's been to the Southern Hemisphere. Yes, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, they're in Argentina. Yeah, let's forget about that. Again, I hated that scene. So if they wanted to say that Graboids are native of North America, North Northern Hemisphere, sure. So now we have basically a new sheriff in town, if I'm going to use part four terminology. Don Michael Paul is the director of five, six, and seven. Wow, he's getting to do a whole trilogy. And Michael Gross will be joining him. And I think Jamie Kennedy is on board, too. Like, No, only five and six. There is no Kennedy, unless it's a surprise appearance that I know of for Shrieker Island. They got a new sidekick for that one. Okay. Jamie Kennedy posted to his Instagram that he would not be in Tremors 7. And who knows what the future holds if he'll be in a Tremors 8 or what have you. But at this point, you've got a 68-year-old Michael Gross leading your cast. He's 68 in this film? Wow. So it's time to bring in some young blood. And in the script, they decided to bring in a 25-year-old. And Jamie Kennedy got the script. He ain't 25! Yeah, he said to his agent... Um, I can't play this. They're like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. They sent him a new script and said he was 40. <laughs> you know, it's a surprise because you say Jamie Kennedy and I think of him only as the know-it-all in Scream who dies. And I guess I just was expecting him to look the same. But yes, it has been a long time since Scream in this movie. 20 years have passed. Yeah, and I think he's been living on the street from how he looks. But we'll talk about that when we get into the film. You say Jamie Kennedy it was in Scream. I was thought that was Seth Green. I mix these two up all the time. I just assume it's always Seth Green. I know Seth Green's got redder hair, but they look very similar to me. They had similar energy. It really could have been either one of them in Scream. Like, look, Seth Green was in Family Guy, and Jamie Kennedy did a voice in the Cleveland show, the spinoff. Like, he's just always on his, his heels, following along. They were probably always in the same waiting room during auditions, like most of their careers. You know, until finally Seth started doing his own stuff with Robot Chicken. But yeah, I mean, Jamie Kennedy has it, it just kind of a joke to me. Like, I've seen one of his films where he was like the main guy, Malibu's Most Wanted. Not good. I love Malibu's Most Wanted. I mean, you still love it? Have you seen it recently? It's yes, not good. It is so smart in being dumb. Smart. Okay. <laughs> And, he, I mean, he was in Dave, he was in Enemy of the State, he was in The Mask 2, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, and I probably thought it was Seth Green. <laughs> I keep waiting for a movie that I've seen. I, I don't know this guy. Here's where I really turn against Jamie Kennedy, and it was not with the Jamie Kennedy experiment, which was his hitting camera show that was awful. That one, oh, come on, that was great. I laughed so hard during every episode of the Jamie Kennedy Experiment because for those who don't know, which is probably everybody, it was like Candid Camera or Punked. It was Jamie Kennedy deciding to ride Ashton Kutcher's coattails to the yes. CW and do a punked show. And so they'd play a prank on somebody. And when it was done, Jamie Kennedy would walk out and go, you just got X'd. 
and the look of confusion on these people's face because they had no clue what the hell being yeah. was made me laugh. You've been punked or you're on candid camera. Like, okay, I, I get the gist. You've been exed. Yeah, the people were clueless <laughs> and you would have to follow it up. You're on my hidden camera show, guys. This is fake. <laughs> like, you would have to give them the premise so they could get a reaction out of the, the people to show on the television show. That but, was the funniest part of the show. No, uh, no, I agree. Like, I, I've been watching some clips on youtube building up to this and it is hilarious how clueless those people are because yeah you've been exed what, what does that mean i don't know yeah he got X. that show was canceled yes. pretty quick and what made me X him like where i just i turned against him i don't know if you guys if you've heard of this there's a little documentary called heckler which was sold as oh it's a, it's about the art of dealing with hecklers with stand-up comedians and it's some, like there's a youtube channel by a comedian and he just posts him like dealing with hecklers and it's the most entertaining thing like really smart stuff like being able to be on your toes and respond to that that's only about like the first 20 30 minutes of this documentary the rest of it is like critics are bad and they shouldn't criticize us that's a form of heckling too and then you get more and more jamie kennedy in this and he's like how dare look at these bad reviews they gave son of the mouse that's unwarranted he produced <laughs> the documentary and like it was just a way to get back at critics that like trashed his career well you got me on the side of those critics jamie you've been axed <laughs> when was that documentary? 2007 it came out. I probably watched it 2012. Wow. I mean, looking at his IMDb, that's about the time he did Larry the Cable Guy's Christmas Spectacular. <laughs> I didn't know. Wow. <laughs> People really do watch these things. It's amazing to me. Like, this is just, it's the kind of entertainment that just, does. it never crosses my radar. Like, I can't imagine why anyone would have seen that. Can I just say, looking at some of these titles, I feel like a Jamie Kennedy retrospective series nope. would be um, just a gold mine of humor with movies like Tyler Perry's Good Deeds. <laughs> I'm laughing already. <laughs> well, then we got to do all the Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> the Hungover Games. <laughs> I saw that title. I don't want to see that movie. Oh, I saw Kicking It Old School. That movie sucked. Yeah, I think you can apply that to all of them almost, <laughs> except apparently Malibu's most wanted. I've avoided Son of the Mask somehow, but yes, I saw Jamie Kennedy a few years ago, probably 2017, at a horror convention, you know, because Scream, right? How long was his line? He had no line. He was standing there completely alone. He really came because he was doing stand-up at the club that night, and this was, I think, his gig is... He'd go for a convention to sign autographs during the day, but do his stand-up that night, and that's how he could justify it. But the guy looked jacked. I was like, that does not look like Randy from Scream. That looks like he's going to kick my ass. Is he hanging out with Carrot Top? I, that, maybe that's what bad stand-ups do in their off time, just lift weights, because Carrot Top is jacked, too. Like That that guy's got a steroid problem. I'm, I'm worried about him. Too much juice in that carrot juice, Carrot Top. But yeah, this is the first Jamie Kennedy movie I've seen, I guess, since kicking it old school. <laughs> and just for him helping me out, the reason why you would get him is that he has some kind of kitsch factor. It would be like getting Corey Feldman. It's a name people know, I guess. But specifically with a 90s youth audience, he's their Feldman. Who's a knockoff of Feldman? He's not a Feldman. My thinking is that, yeah, you're not pitching Tremors to a new audience. You've got to look at who remembers and was probably in the target audience of teenagers when the first Tremors came out. Who can we pull from Gen X who's cheap 
that we can put in this movie who's a recognizable name, even if I don't think Jamie Kennedy is even a Feldman, even though he does have more acting credits and less time in rehab. I don't think Jamie Kennedy has any time in rehab. So you're saying he got casted for this because this film needs to be Gen X'd. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Drop the mic. Get used to it, listeners. Lots of X references coming up. <laughs> okay. I wish I knew this show you refer to, but maybe so I'm does going. everybody who was on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you tell them what this movie is, Arnie? Why don't you give them the plot? It's been 14 years since we last saw Burt Gummer, played by Michael Gross, hunting graboids in Perfection, Nevada. Yeah, 11 years is the first movie, but that thing was a prequel. It's been 14 years. For Burt Gummer. And in the time since, he's taken his notoriety and is the host of a survivalist TV show teaching you things like how to safely cook a rattlesnake. Two changes quickly come into Burt's life. First, his cameraman quits for a better show, and replacing that videographer is extreme dirt biker Travis Welker, played by Jamie Kennedy. Dirt biker cameraman. He, he does it all. <laughs> Look, I don't know Jamie Kennedy, but I know that ain't him on that bike. <laughs> You see how much equipment he's got to put on to cover up his face so you don't know that's a stuntman? If you look at the outtakes, he had trouble even putting the equipment on his face. I believe it because he looks drunk and homeless <laughs> and stumbling in this. I, I don't know if he knew what he was doing. Oh, he did. I mean. I mean, look, yeah, all those gummy bear ad libs he's doing, they're great. Hilarious. Well, Welker barely has time to introduce himself, though, before representatives from the South African Wildlife Ministry arrive to tell Bert that graboids have been found in South Africa and they want to hire the notorious graboid hunter to capture one of the creatures. In South Africa, Bert's arsenal is confiscated by local customs officials, but the ministry gives Bert a few paltry rifles to use in the hunt. They set up camp at a nearby animal refuge led by veterinarian Dr. Nandi Matabu, and Travis flirts with the woman, setting up a love triangle with Nandi's local suitor, Baruti. Both Travis and Baruti forge friendships with Nandi's daughter, Amale. The hunt begins, and Bert quickly realizes this is a different breed of Graboid, but they have the same evolution from Graboid to Shrieker to Ass Blaster to Egg to Graboid. And when Bert discovers a Graboid egg, the representatives from the Ministry lock Bert in a cage, they aren't really South African officials, they're poachers looking to sell live graboids for a huge profit. Bird is saved by Travis, and the poacher is killed by a graboid that was trying to save its egg. Bert and Travis blow up a cave where the graboids were nesting, destroying most of the eggs and killing most of the ass blasters and graboids. But back at base camp, ass blasters and a graboid are attacking. Young Amale had found a graboid egg and kept it hidden. The ass blasters and graboid were trying to get that egg back. Bert and Travis arrive and save Amale, and then a complex trap is set for the final graboid that involves a daily thunderstorm and using the egg as bait, and just like in Back to the Future with the clock tower and the DeLorean, the graboid jumps for the egg at the exact moment lightning strikes, destroying egg and mama both. Yeah, don't forget they got Jamie Kennedy in there doing flips too. As things wrap up, Nandi thanks Travis for his help, but is forming a relationship with Baruti. Travis has a new relationship of his own, however. He revealed he's Bert's son, conceived during a one-night stand Bert had in the 70s. Bert and Travis return to Nevada together, with Travis co-hosting Bert's survivalist show as credits roll. You know, I've never seen Dog the Bounty Hunter, 
but like Honey Boo Boo, I miss all these things. Stuart, you have not lived life. I guess I I missed it, but like I feel like this feels right to satirize those kinds of reality shows in the way that we're going to bring Bert back. This feels like the right way to introduce him to an audience in 2015. Uh, it feels about 10 years too late to me. No, around 2015, my grandmother was big into those ice fisher shows and the Alaska trucker shows where they're driving on a frozen lake that... Yeah, Ice Road Truckers, it's called. Yes. The, all those shows still are huge, but they really had their moment in the early teens to the mid-teens. I thought briefly, maybe he was a YouTuber. Maybe he's doing a vlog because Jamie Kennedy is going to say this guy has zero Twitter followers. I don't care who you are. If you're on Nat Geo or something, somebody's going to follow you. Yeah, some prostitute or bot will follow you on Twitter no matter what. (laughs) I got the impression that he wasn't on TV. No, these were VHS tapes he's like selling on the internet or something, right? Right. Yeah, a video series. Like he's... He's he and Dorf are still cranking them the out in the old <laughs> format. And like so that signals that, yes, as you say, that maybe this is 10 years past its prime. But like that's maybe even the point is that he hasn't updated and he needs a flashy new partner in crime to come blowing in here and teach him how to be uh, reinvented. You see, the reason I thought this actually and admittedly, the sh- movie is not about Burt's TV show. I kind of wish it were. But <laughs> he has a cameraman who quits because... He got a union gig. Uh, yeah, yeah. Doing the Real Housewives of Vegas. That felt honest, actually. <laughs> it does. But that means this cameraman was probably being paid something and go- just going for better pay and benefits. And so who's paying him? Again, a a paltry sum. I mean, as someone that has done low-rent shoots, I almost worked with Amarosa and a little person to scam people out of money. Like, I've been on those scary skeleton crew shows, and you don't get paid. There's a promise of money down the road, and a lot of people will do it because they have nothing going on. It's Thursday night. (laughs) But as soon as the Real Housewives show up, bye, you're gone. You're not going to need to film rattlesnakes out in the Mojave Desert anymore. I get this guy's pain, is I guess what I'm saying. He's quitting, and I'm like, yeah, I've been there. No, no, I get it. You totally want that union gig. You want to be able to, you know, you you want that. You want those benefits. And so in comes rolling extreme motocross motorcyclist and cameraman. Like, the Travis, who's apparently got camera, like, he, this is a job he does. I will say this. The coolest song on any Tremor soundtrack is Iggy Pop's Frank theme that they're playing <laughs> over this. I actually like, for the first time maybe, I actually like the music in a Tremors movie. Yeah, I always enjoy a good Iggy Pop song. Does he make sense? I mean, it's ridiculous. To you, is he Pauly Shore? Is he Carrot Top? By that I mean, is he someone that is completely repulsive and ruining by his very appearance? Well, in this movie, he is. I'd never associated... Jamie Kennedy with being repulsive, but seriously, why did they let him do this look? You want to call his sponsor, don't you? No, I do. (laughs) Like, he did he show up on set? Was this a choice to not, like, comb your hair, to not bathe for months? Like, he is disgusting looking in this. And I know you're not supposed to shame people because how they look, but he just looks dirty and stinky. I don't want to be around him. I don't want to spend a second with him, you know, with him even behind a camera. Like, get him out of here. 
I did a lot of looking into research for this because the Blu-ray was pretty bare bones, but I found interviews at the time and things. Here's the gossip I can tell you and what I saw myself on behind-the-scenes features. The guy is not on drugs, from what I can tell. He is not out of it. He's very engaged with the crew. He's engaged with Michael Gross and the other actors. No, I, I and I agree. I, I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic. I think he's bringing a lot of ad-lib lines. I think he saw this as a real opportunity for his career, but why do you want to look like this in a movie? If you want to come back, take a shower. And, you know, I've heard interviews with people, and I've attended some events that are somewhat off the record where people are like, yeah, my co-star went through a phase where he just decided he wasn't going to shower or wash his hair, and I have to kiss him in the scene, and it is gross because he smokes and doesn't brush his teeth. I mean, there are stories I've heard like that. Oh, Marilyn Monroe. Not even weird people. Like, Marilyn Monroe was said to stink. I mean, like, yeah, you think these people are attractive, and it's a different story when you get on set. He doesn't look attractive in this film. That's what I'm saying. I will agree with you, but I will put this forward. If he is going to be revealed to be Bert's son, isn't it in keeping that both of them have a loose sense of hygiene and personal presentation? I never associated that with Bert. He is off the grid. He's a libertarian. He loves his guns. Bert showers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he even looked really clean on his show showing you how to cook a snake. I mean, he didn't have dirt smeared all over his face and things. He looked pretty clean. Yeah. More importantly, how do they play off each other? It's very important that Michael Gross gets a Reba McIntyre, or at least the guy from part three, where you feel like they have some chemistry. I thought for sure when I was looking at the opening credits, I knew nothing about this movie coming in, but I saw the second build person was female, and I'm like, this is the movie where you give him a love interest. We're going to replace Reba. He's going to go graboid hunting. And much like Fred Ward did in part two, he's going to find a woman. I was convinced that's how this was going to go down. Right. Bloodlines is obviously referring to the fact that we're going to find out Gummer has a bloodline. You didn't see that coming. I thought it was pretty evident in some of these early scenes. Yeah, he's calling him Pops right away. Oh, okay, he's he's poking funk and he's old, but it's pretty obvious, especially this time watching it with the now playing glasses. There are so many references to fathers and sons. I'm like, oh, okay. It, they're not trying to hide it. When it's revealed later in the movie, I'm slapping my forehead like, oh, there's themes. There's a mother and a daughter. The Graboids are all about protecting their young eggs. Of course it's his son. But no, I didn't think it at the beginning because, I mean, he's had so many sidekicks that weren't sons from Val to the theme park guy. And remember, I watched every episode of that TV series, too, where there was yet another sidekick. I thought this was a new sidekick that would invigorate a younger audience. <laughs> invigorate. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't guess it straight from the get go. But like when they start talking about Florida out of nowhere, I'm like, oh, OK, I know what's going on. Yeah, the 1974 gun show, it, not only are they bringing it up, but you can tell that there's something in the Jamie Kennedy's performance. You can just see that Travis knows something about Bert. You know, he claims to be a fan, but there's something in the way that he talks about him that feels like I have something on you. I don't know. It just comes through to me pretty early on. And yeah, by halfway through the movie, I, I knew. I got the way that line was delivered, but 
they didn't bring up Florida for a while, so I wasn't quite sure where it was going. I mean, the way Bert was like, I remember a gun show in Florida in the 70s. I thought maybe Bert killed a man just to watch him die. I did not know where this was going. No, oh, Jamie Kennedy's response is free love. You were young. Like he was he was like, oh, you got some dirty secrets. I mean, again, it, it suggested and the fact that, you know, it was mentioned 40 years ago and Jamie Kennedy is, I don't know, maybe he's 40. And behind the scenes, these two didn't get along because Michael Gross is 67. He got axed. <laughs> and he has said in interviews, I'm not Burt Gummer. I act as Burt Gummer and I feel I know what Burt Gummer would do, but I stick to the script. Burt Gummer is on the page. I do what's on the page. Jamie Kennedy is ad-libbing left, right. Okay, so I was right. Like, I knew he was ad-libbing all over the... Gummy bear, gumdrop, like... Oh, he stayed up nights coming up with this stuff. Yeah, and if you watch the outtakes and the deleted scenes, most of the outtakes are Jamie Kennedy just trying new jokes every take. And this was shot multi-camera, so they were able to just let him riff and get the other person's response. But Michael Gross... Couldn't do it. He couldn't keep up with Jamie Kennedy and was getting pissed. And he was getting pissed because they had to stay late because Kennedy wouldn't just say his lines. He's like, look, this is I, I know how much money, money I'm making off a of Tremors sequel straight to video. Like, I don't want to work a minute past five. And Kennedy's, meanwhile, just going off on riff after to riff. And that's what he was brought in to do. He's the comic relief. And if Jamie Kennedy means anything to me, again, I think about Scream, that character was famous for knowing the cliches, could call the reference. Throughout this movie, I feel like that's the improvisations. Those are the jokes he's doing. He's like, oh, let me do a Ghostbusters. I've been wormed instead of I've been slimed. And Oh, that's what that is? I thought like, he like meant like dogs. I thought that was, I've been, you've been exed, but I've been wormed. <laughs> I thought it was like how you worm a dog. No, no, no. Like, he does the Bruce Willis, Die Hard, John McClane. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he does. Let's have a few laughs. Let's, you know, like, I feel like many, many times I'm watching him going, what movie are you thinking about, Jamie? My real question is, has Jamie seen a movie in the past 20 years? Because everything was an 80s, 90s reference. Well, again, that was the heyday of Tremors, too. So probably good for the target audience. You wouldn't want to make Justin Bieber jokes, right? Like, it just wouldn't play. Oh, saying something like you wish the Graboid had eaten Justin Bieber. I mean, that would work. Not in Africa, though. They're going to go to, as you said, Arnie, the promise of this one is if we change the location, it's a whole different movie. Or it's the exact same movie in a different location. Well, I mean, yes. What I'm saying is the dress makes the person. And so you can just take the same thing and birth it anew by giving it the cosmetic change, which, I mean, it is... Somewhat helpful. I do feel like it is inspiring to see something other than Nevada Desert. Yeah, we get to see some stock footage when they're flying in the plane and supposedly looking down on gazelles running. Look, you show me an elephant. I want to see a Graboid take down an elephant. Like, you you better pay off on that promise. Like, <laughs> if you are going to go to a place like Africa where it's wildlife, that that's what it's known for, amongst other things. But, like, that's a big part of it. People go on safaris there. Like, I want to see a Graboid take down an elephant. They had an elephant on set. Like, they could have done something. Did you trust the South African officials that came to hire him? No, absolutely not. Oh, see, I I had no idea that 
why did you not trust them? I guess it would be my question. What about them made it feel like a false promise? Well, we talked about, uh, you could say it's a problem or, or it's just something you didn't expect in the first one, that there was no evil scientist. That's just kind of a trope in these monster movies. And so I just, I felt like, oh, they have ulterior motives. Like he, he's not here just because it's a fishing game wildlife ministry. It's, yeah, it, it's got to be something bad. I didn't guess poacher, but uh, I, I'm always thinking they want to make weapons out of these things. I, I always go back to aliens. And because this is the exact plot of part two where somebody showed up and wanted to hire Fred Ward to hunt graboids, I'm not expecting creativity here. Maybe yeah, I'm being agreed. rude, but no. I just thought they were doing the exact same thing uh, as there and that these were people from the ministry. Yeah, no, the, the conflict, the villain, as it were, I thought was the tracker. We have an opening scene before we even really get into Bert's story and where he's at in this movie. We start kind of in South Africa with these two trackers looking for some kind of animal and stumbling upon the cave. And the one that lives will be sort of a nemesis for half the movie for Bert. He's kind of the African version of Bert, if you will. This was before Fury Road, right? Because, well, that movie shot for 12 years. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they came out in the same year. They were both 2015. Because I thought he was one of those boys with the glasses. The, I thought he was going to spray paint his teeth silver at some point. <laughs> no, I, I thought of Mad Max, too, because, yeah, it opens up with that guy taking a piss, and then you got Jamie Kennedy taking a piss right before he gets on his motorcycle. I mean, that's how Fury Road opened up. I thought that same thing, but you know what? The very first tremor started with Kevin Bacon taking a piss. Yeah, true. Yeah, they're definitely trying to say that Jamie Kennedy is the new Kevin Bacon. As in they're both poor in one because he hasn't worked in the other because Bernie Madoff took all his money. <laughs> it wasn't getting that at all. Like, you poor Kevin Bacon, you always have to bring up how he does his movies now based on the paycheck <laughs> to recover lost wages. No, I don't think about that at all. I just mean that you want youthful energy and that that was part of the fun of Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon was you had the old timer and the youngster that was too cool for school. And so recapturing that energy, bringing it to Africa, giving them a African Burt to fight with. All of these choices seem pretty good to me. I actually feel like I'm in the movie pretty well as we get started here. I even really like the pilot, the guy that brings them in on the helicopter. They don't use him enough, but they have bravers. He comes back later in the film. But I, I honestly feel like you didn't need Jamie Kennedy. You could have just made it these two in a helicopter and that's a movie. Yeah, I actually put in my notes that that was Chekhov's helicopter pilot. <laughs> Look. Maybe Jamie Kennedy could be good. I, ju I don't like him in this film and just his sense of humor. Maybe it's what the young kids like. Maybe I'm just out of touch, but I'm even though he's been here to Gen well, X. He's out of touch. I mean, I, yeah, I maybe that's the problem. Like, I just I don't like his humor. So he, he's not entertaining to me. I guess if you find references to dick and balls funny, like if you still love Kevin Smith, then I guess you still love Jamie Kennedy, too. I'm going to just take the middle road here and say I didn't find him uproarious. He didn't annoy me at all. I thought he was yet another adequate sidekick for Bert in this series. I thought he was fine. Give me Grady. I, I take Grady over this guy. See, I feel like he is a little bit better than Grady. Grady, to me, is the lowest one of the sidekicks so far. This guy, I would say, is number two to Kevin Bacon. I think he's better than the tour guide in three. I didn't care for 
any of the sidekicks in four. I didn't feel there was a side one sidekick unless it was the little boy. Yeah, Chang, little Chang. Kennedy isn't bad. I do think he missed one joke line though, or maybe they cut it. But at one point, Gummer says, "If you got ass blasters, you got graboids." I'm thinking that sounds like a preparation agent. <laughs> surprised jimmy kennedy didn't jump on it i'm sure it's on the cutting room floor it is in different comedic hands different kinds of jokes are coming and maybe some of that's jimmy kennedy and maybe again it's that different director different writer uh, the times itself have changed comedy has changed i'm feeling it's different but it didn't become vulgar like i keep worrying about the one where the worms are just like an excuse for dick jokes. Oh, see, I think this one will become vulgar, but if that's your bar, that they got to make a dick joke about a worm, okay. It is more. Lion piss is not vulgar to you. We'll get it there. Is, <laughs> it is, but it, it's not a movie covered in lion piss, is what I'm saying. It is not a movie that does that in every scene, and it does not get hijacked by characters. I feel like there's a lot of piss in this film. There's some. I would say there's not a lot, and there are a lot of other kinds of characters. There's enough piss to make this film icky. But enough characters that you don't have to focus on the piss. I mean, the fact that we have this love interest, Nandi, and, you know, she has the kid, which, again, I knew it was a setup, but I actually appreciate, (laughs) on this level, I'm always glad when I see, like, oh, you're setting up something for the climax. When she's playing with the worms, like, electrocuting them to get, yeah, I know, I'm like, ah, that's how they'll kill the last one, with the electricity. (laughs) But I liked it. I, it actually made me happy to go, okay, I'll look for the way that they... I did not predict how they were going to get that electricity. How could you not predict? They, they go, oh, set your clock to it, 1,500 hours every day if we get a lightning strike. I'm like, boom, that's how they're going to electrocute the ground to get that worm out. I thought they were just saying they got an electrical storm because when I lived in Florida, you could set your clock that every day at 4 p.m., you were going to get a massive thunderstorm that would be done by 5.30. And yeah, they call it a sun shower. So rain, to me, I, I, the lightning wasn't prominent enough in the early scene for me to think, oh, right, there's the electricity. Yeah, I didn't either. And I think we're actually going to go someplace totally different, though, because we jump over to an archaeological dig. A very sexy one, <laughs> yes. may I add. Yeah. I thought maybe Jamie Kennedy was going to get attracted to the paleontologist girl there, and there was another guy, and <laughs> all right, just a quick aside. When that guy is in the shower, did either of you think that he was swinging some massive pipe? I, I didn't look. In one scene, he's washing his hair with two hands, and he's behind one of those curtains. You can only see a silhouette. Something swings from his legs that's huge. I had to rewind. I'm like, my God. Is it a tentacle? In the second one, his arm is down, and he swings his arm forward. But at just the right place, I thought this guy put Dirk Diggler to shame. I thought... Bigger than Chris Evans. Much bigger. Why do I know that? (laughs) But these two are are finding some new monster. And we had Bert go, there's no graboids in the Southern Hemisphere. I'm like, you know, Tremors doesn't have to be about graboids. You could have a different subterranean monster. They're talking about how this one secretes acid to help it dig through rock. I'm like, yeah, an acid-spitting super graboid? I'd be down with that, but... Instead, I think they just took this opportunity to try to make Graboids look meaner in the CGI. I will say this, like, there's not a whole lot of Graboids or Ass Blasters. I think there's one of each. But the CGI, I mean, for what this is, I was impressed. I'll give it that. I was too. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're much scarier than part three, at any rate. Oh, yeah. You know, no, yeah, they really beefed them up because I guess they're a different version. Are they an older version of the Graboids? Like, these are the original ones? What I got is that it was just evolutionary differences. Yes. These maybe had started in South Africa, but the others went off and had a different evolutionary path. How did they get across the ocean? Barren Strait, maybe. Well, I'm just going to put it out there. What The area they're talking about is the area where all life is said. The Fertile Crescent is where we all, human beings, are said to have all come from. That's not South Africa, though, is it? It's actually, yeah, they cheated by saying South Africa. It's the Fertile <laughs> Crescent. But to the point... Our continents used to be more conjoined, and then they broke off, and in that time, we diversified. Like, that's the general thinking. Pangea, that's when they traveled to North America, during Pangea. I mean, again, I don't want to give too much credence to science in a Tremors movie, (laughs) but I take it to mean that they're just saying that, yes, this continent has its own special tweaked version of the Graboid. And so, yeah, maybe it will spit acid. I'm expecting something different. I am expecting with each Tremors movie to have a new creature, a new monster, and it is a little disappointment that the variations are small. It's a little bit bigger, and the snakes will detach from the mouth. And for whatever reason, maybe because the computer artists can't render one, we don't seem to have Shriekers anymore. You want Shriekers? I guess we're going to get a lot of Shriekers in the new one. It's called Shrieker Island. I don't know if I want them. I know that they're, I've been told that that's the life cycle, so it's weird that they're not here. It, it is weird they don't show up because Bert, at the beginning of one of his survival videos, the opening of this film is like him explaining because it's been so many years since the Tremors film. Like, hey guys, if you don't remember, here's the life cycle of a Graboid. And like they have a little graphic and they go through it all. So yeah, it's a little weird. You only see two parts of the evolution. But that said, this is a, dare I go there, this is a movie about parents and children. And the Shrieker <laughs> doesn't really fit. What we have are the Ass Blasters who are the mothers, they're laying the egg, and then you have the graboids who are the children, right? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, no, you're right. That is more or less what they've... The new writers and directors have decided to... It's actually a lot of writers on this one. There's like four. <laughs> so I think there might have been different ideas about where to take it. But eventually what they've settled on and what they can afford is to just make it a two-part life cycle. And so at least the CGI rendering is better. I think that definitely has improved. And I think that, yeah, once we see these things, they work in a B-movie way. But they take out these two paleontologists real quick. So if you were wanting to get some kills in beyond just that original one, here's one to tide you over until we start getting to main character deaths. Although Tremors has never really been about that. I mean, it is not a slasher. It is not one for uh, impressing you with its... Uh, kills. I think but the that... first movie always went to these random people like the doctor and things and killed them. Yeah, but I think at this point they are going for more. Look, that first one you could call that a horror comedy, but I think they're relying much more on the comedy with these ones now. Again, they've introduced Jamie Kennedy. I think that's what they want. Like, we'll get them a laugh. They're not going to be scared, but they know what graboids are. They come for that and they'll stay for the laughs. Most of the perfection did not die in the first movie, and I feel like most of this cast is going to be spared as well. It really is, I don't know if it's the PG-13 rating or just not the interest of the makers to make this about monsters specifically killing people. They like the 
inference. You know, they like the, the Jaws kind of suggestiveness of here it comes and the fence post goes. Here we have tweaks on that where like the heads of sprinklers are going to go up or whatever. They, they do the similar kinds of stuff, but it's never been about blood is I guess what I would say. No, it's never been about blood, but I do think it's been about regular kills and keeping graboids on the brain. And so we have this for no other reason. I mean, this, these paleontologists and their dig really does not matter in the story of this. Agreed. Yeah, they have as much meaning and screen time as exactly you say in the first movie that doctor and his wife out in the trailer and the car goes under here it's they're pouring wine because they think they're going to get on the cover of national geographic and of course as they're in the shower the wine spills the tentacles come out and wine mixes with blood yeah i I, I liked the irony of the woman saying i wish this moment could last the rest of my life and boom dead it's not as funny, though. I mean, we can all agree, right? Like, and maybe yeah. no part five of a comedy series is, but... Hey, Police Academy 5 is gold. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we will, we will have that argument uh, at some point. But I do think that it is hard to make sequels of comedies. And this series has, in its evolution, become more and more about recycling jokes. Jokes aren't as funny. Maybe that's why they hire Kennedy to freshen it up or bring some new sense of irony. But I can say, while I'm finding the setup to be mirthful, I'm not laughing a whole lot. I'm not having the horror comedy peeking through my fingers and giggling kind of reaction. Yeah, I do get the sense that the people on screen are having much more fun than I ever am watching it. Yeah, and mostly because Jamie Kennedy was cracking them up. Except for Michael Gross. he He's really upset. Stick to the script. Writers work their craft. You just don't go and molest their words. You you stick to the script. Yeah, to misquote this movie, if ye dumb, ye ad-lib. <laughs> And here's the thing is I feel like all of that must be happening off screen and maybe they thought they were getting it on camera, but it's actually kind of a surprise when Bird is like, I don't want you around anymore. Like, I feel like they have a breakup in the movie right when this assistant, there's a tribal dance and the ass blaster comes in and grabs some, you know, assistant character that doesn't matter. And this is really the, the scene that breaks up the cameraman and... Bert. During that tribal dance, like one is dressed as an ass blaster. Were these mythological creatures to them or do they like have regular encounters? Uh, to hear Nandi describe it, like they don't, obviously they didn't call them ass blasters. They they actually called them impunulu, which means lightning bird. And yeah, they. I think what's suggested is that that's a known creature that doesn't hunt human beings. That humans can hunt them, but they've never had any problems with these creatures. So it's really surprising once the villagers are being targeted. And I think part of the reason Bert Gamma wants to be rid of Welker is because Welker is far more interested in the girl than in the hunt. You know, he Bert tries to get him to get some rack time in and make sure you're you're rested and Jamie Kennedy would rather go out and hit on the veterinarian. But I feel like you'd want to have a lot of that established. I guess what it is is there's so many characters here that I just haven't spent a lot of time with Travis and Bert together. It doesn't feel like they're getting on each other's nerves in the way that like the buddy comedy formula usually accentuates. 
I think the romantic love triangle was a mistake because it's not going to end anywhere. It's not like it ends with Travis getting the girl or even Travis and the girl mattering to each other. It's more, you know, Travis could just connect with a little girl at the camp and not have to try to woo the mom. This was supposed to be a love triangle because I look, I, I realized he was making passes at Nandy, but no chemistry like she, she's not interested. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that the movie doesn't like do a, a real twist at the end and has her give up her boyfriend for this guy. Like that would be really awful if she suddenly decided she needed more Jamie Kennedy in her life. Who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, my daughter, I got a daughter to raise, and I live here, and... So Jamie Kennedy could go to her boyfriend and say, you just got X'd? <laughs> no, I think he's going to get X'd, and I like the way that that fell, but yeah, I agree, like, all of the relationships feel like they could be expanded on a little bit more than they are, and I think part of the problem is a lack of focus in the middle here, where, like, all of a sudden... Things are happening, and I'm not entirely sure. Like, a village is being evacuated. I don't know where they are or where they're going. I don't know why Jamie Kennedy's character finds Bert later in the cage. The evacuation, there were two things. There was the town, which is where that dance took place. But then there was the settlement where they were doing animal healing i mean that doctor no no it was a nature preserve she owned a. I mean it's you know you have animals it's like a zoo but they don't call it a zoo basically right so they were evacuating the nature preserve to go to the town oh the nature preserve was but no one was there what few people were there were running to the town for help okay for whatever reason, things are moving around and happening, and I feel like because Trimmers is Bert-centric, um, like his story and, and what he's doing maybe takes up too much of the screen, or at least dominates all the storylines. Yeah, because it's really important that once we find out he gets betrayed by Van Wick, that he's really a poacher and he he's going to steal this egg and lock Gummer up in that cage. Cut to Travis trying to figure out, oh, where's my dad and how am I going to go? No, instead we're going to get a montage of Gummer drinking his piss and, and putting it all over his face to keep the bugs away. And then a lion walking over and spraying him with piss. And you're telling me, Michael Gross, you don't ad lib. So like this was all in the script, like all this, all these awful lines about him going going crazy in this cage like it's embarrassing at 68 this is what you're doing some of it was in the script i do think jamie kennedy inspired him to try some ad libs <laughs> at 68 he's gonna teach that old dog a new trick how to improvise and if this scene is any indication that old dog isn't learning the trick too well this scene was so painful to watch but you know what i thought the punchline was going to be is bert was only in there for like 15 minutes That's what I thought it was going. I do want to give this movie credit for having a real lion. That's the coolest thing in this movie is a real lion. Yeah, no, they have elephants and lions and none of them get eaten. Like, that is the joke you do. Like, the lion's about to get the gazelle and then the graboid jumps out. Maybe, I mean, look, again, the CGI looks pretty good. So maybe they didn't have their budget to add a little CGI lion to get eaten. But I really wanted to see some safari animals get taken down. Oh, well, I, I assume that is how the Graboids have been living. Yes, they even make reference at one point that, oh, there's no wildlife around here. Yeah, but, you know, again, for me, the biggest disappointment is that I feel like you, some of the locals pair really well 
but they dispense with them. Like we've said, like Jamie Kennedy's supposed to be in this romantic triangle, but he doesn't really ever have a scene with Burundi to compete and be the alpha male. And Bert, he has this other hunter, this drier guy. And it's a funny physical comedy bit about how Bert shoots down the ass blaster and the guy's like, oh, you can't kill me, I'm African. And, you know, he's crushed by falling fire. Did Bert cause his death? I kind of think yes. Bert caused his oh, death. No, not kind of, definitely. That was the joke, was that Bert both killed the ass blaster and the other hunter and the poacher didn't care about the other hunter he was just like no you can't kill the the species we're trying to capture and but he gets the egg but i just feel like all right i'll just go ahead and say it maybe this isn't the movie to bring in jamie kennedy and do this storyline <laughs> if you have these kinds of supporting characters that burt could play off of because i feel like any of them would be paired really really well but as it is they just come in and out of the movie real fast What's most telling to me is like the story kind of splits up. You get Travis and Bert. They're going to go after this cave with the full of eggs. And then you get this Jurassic Park ripoff of Nandy and her daughter, Baruti. And like there's an ass blaster hunting them down. And like they're doing the raptor thing in the kitchen. And she's got that bow and arrow. She kind of looks like Laura Croft. Like I'm like, I like that stuff. But when it's Travis and Gummer, I'm not into it as much. I'll just say I find this movie to be wildly uneven. And while I'm following everything that's going on, nothing is satisfying to me like when the poacher reveals himself i'm like oh well that's a twist i didn't see coming he's dead next scene like i mean the next time we see him he's being chased by a graboid and eaten it's not fulfilling gummer didn't get a chance to have his revenge for being caged and pissed on you know it's like everything in here i see everything they're going for i'm following every beat and none of it is satisfying. Now, here's what I'm guessing. Again, because I look and there's a story credit on someone. And then there's three writers on the screenplay. You got to think that everyone had a different idea about what was to happen. And it kind of feels like someone came in and crafted a movie. Like I can follow, as you say, you can follow themes and storylines and you know what's happening. But maybe this is not the version that best utilizes all the elements in play. Because you're right, I like Nandi, and I like that she has a bow and arrow, and you know what, okay, if they want to redo Jurassic Park, that isn't the first time this series has done that kind of thing. Yeah, I think we've called it out before. Yeah, so that's fine. Like, all of that can be fun, but she doesn't give it enough weight as a character to really land that scene. It doesn't feel like a moment that's going to make you cheer and go, yay, Nandi. You barely may notice she's in the movie. Yeah, no, and that's my problem, is I like that scene so much. Like, she does the two arrows, and it almost hits the dude's balls, and using a bow and arrow like we're, we're getting away from guns i complained about that with going to the old west like you're just going to use the same way to kill these graboids that we've seen before like yeah i want to like it more like i like the conception i, I like the ideas but the execution it, it leaves you wanting but it's not too long after the cage that we're right at the end because the poacher i, I wonder you know, eggs poached i'm sure jamie kennedy could have made even more jokes about that yeah, on the cutting room floor once again but you now know that the graboids in Africa care about propagation of the species. They're tracking their eggs. This is reminding me more and more of Alien. Sure. <laughs> yes. But not enough. Yeah, you're going to go into a cave and fight you know, something that's like a queen that's guarding all the eggs. Yeah, because they call in the helicopter guy who gets eaten. I was like, that's a waste of that character, but they're going to do a callback to part three, like Bert, he's just going to climb his way right out of there. Again, I really like that character. I feel like they could have had their own movie together. Like, 
it would have just been fun to see two old coots that are still living from the 70s, you know, like they both were at that gun show or something. Like it just feels like they pair well. God help me. I think Jamie Kennedy has more appeal on the rental store shelves than grumpy old graboid hunters. <laughs> I'd rather see that helicopter pilot with Gummer. I just feel like there's so many pretty good characters that don't become good characters because they have one scene and they're done. Yeah. I, no, I agree. I like this heli- Again, conceptually, I like this helicopter mm-hmm. pilot. He ultimately doesn't do anything, which is kind of a bummer. Because we talked, we had this debate, I think, with part four, like Tremors really is about the townies. It's about the people right. and their relations. Like that's what's made a successful Tremors film, I think, for for all of us is when that works really well. And oh, you got some interesting characters or some types. Again, these aren't really deep characters, but some interesting types, but do something with them. And wouldn't Nandi know if she's lived there in this village and watched over all these animals? That if these guys are pretending to be with the wildlife preserve, but are actually poachers, wouldn't she be on to them? Like, I kind of put it on her that she just accepts that these guys were there under false pretenses. I don't even know how much she knows about why Bert is there. She's in scenes where they're both standing there. So, I mean, she knows that they have weapons and they're going on a hunt. So, you're right. I don't know how involved she got, but it just seems to me... To, to back up the point that was made that I think is excellent, you want it to be about this community. Tremors is the most fun when everyone has a role. And it can be, yeah, the little girl on the pogo stick. It can be a small role, but everyone plays a part in painting the portrait of a town. And if it's in Africa, so much the better. That's a place I haven't spent any time in. I want to see this village. And I just feel like... Because Michael Gross has the dominion over this franchise that he does, and because Jamie Kennedy means something to the marketing of this movie, they kind of take it away from everyone that I want to see more of. I I 100% agree. That's what I was saying. I like that stuff with Nandy and the bow and arrow. Give me more of that. Now, did you think... Michael Gross was going to get axed, or I guess we know what's coming. We know he's in the next film. But I really felt like when the first time I watched this, I'm like, are they going to try to pass off the torch? Because it's not Gummer that's going to go into that cave and have the, you know this big face off and kill all the eggs. It is Travis who's going to suit up and do that. But he doesn't actually kill any of them. But yes, I thought that was a weird moment because I don't know why he was putting on Bert's vest. That All of that felt unearned. Yeah. They they say that Bert had heat exhaustion and couldn't do it, but that doesn't sound like Bert to me. No, that that's what I'm saying. It felt like, oh, we got to write Bert out and, and really build up Jamie Kennedy because he's going to be the Michael Gross of this franchise moving on. The interviewers asked them, are you setting up Jamie Kennedy to take over this franchise? And Michael Gross was like, no, I don't see that. I don't see it either. It wasn't in my thought that he would replace Michael Gross. I thought that he was giving, again, the dynamics of the first movie, which was best when it was about two bickering people. I mean, but even in that first one, every time Earl was about to do something, Val, Kevin Bacon character, to like elbow him so he could take off running instead of Earl. Like, But here, no, it, it's Travis who gets to go into that cave. And because this is straight to video, like nowhere near as cool as you'd hope it to be. Yeah, it's not the climax. It sets up the idea that there's... I think we're supposed to have the impression that like, yeah, in Alien, there's a whole large, vast 
vast array of eggs lying around. One grenade's not going to take them out, so they need that gunner off of the chopper to really finish the job. It's convenient that the helicopter landed with its missiles aimed perfectly at that cave, so they're able to just get in there and fire them away. I thought for sure that it wasn't pointing the right way. Like, the way the camera angles are, I thought it was pointing sideways. No, it doesn't look like it, but that's what we're told. Yeah, I thought there was going to be some scene of them having to try to turn it or fly it or something but no they just shoot straight yeah you get the point yeah and then the pilot shows up after they do that like he lives it's the same joke as uh part three and again this writer is from part three so or one of the writers is at least yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i think he was bringing back I'm, I'm going to guess that this was his thing saying i really loved when bert got eaten and i want to I want to remind people of that moment. So they give it to this chopper pilot to live through again. But off camera, and again, this character is never seen again. I feel like, oh, don't go away. He hands him a gas can and is gone from the movie. I'm like, no. Yeah. (laughs) I want to see a a team forming. I want like him to be in the next movie. I want to see Mission Impossible style. Like we now have all of these people that can come together. Eccentrics, you know, like it's... I'll be blunt. Michael Gross is not a movie. You don't make a movie all about Michael Gross. You're watching the wrong franchise then. Or rather, I would phrase it as this franchise is preoccupied with the wrong things. I feel like they're clinging on to something that worked, but they should be thinking about people that can do what Michael Gross did. And Reba McIntyre. Let's not undervalue what she did in that first movie. No, I loved Reba in that first one. Other people can do that, too. You don't need to keep holding on to this talisman like this is your lucky penny that's going to keep making it work. But if Jamie Kennedy is the heir apparent here, the fact that he is going to go into that cave, because I'm guessing Jamie Kennedy's like, I haven't done shit this movie. So I'm going to go into this cave with a flare. He's also wearing sunglasses. If you have a flare, that means it's dark. That's like going in wearing sunglasses with a flashlight. Pulled me out of it that he tried to look cool while hunting graboids. That's what pulled you out of it with Jamie Kennedy is that he wore sunglasses? (laughs) I don't think he looked that cool. Again, I think the cool (laughs) stuff is given to his stunt rider. This trick bike stuff. It's the stuff that he's not actually doing that, that makes you think that, oh yes, he's able to lead graboids away by driving them away and all of this climax. I mean, again, we keep talking about the cave. That is not the climax. The climax is the little girl's got an egg. Not sure how she even got it. Because they didn't only rip off Jurassic Park, but also Jurassic Park 3, where they steal the (laughs) raptor egg. I don't even remember that, but I believe you. But yeah, she is holding the last of its kind. All the other eggs have been destroyed. And so that means the Graboids have to protect it. And uh, you have the village coming together. I wish it were all the cool characters coming together. Some of them, I guess. Though, if you think about it, that Graboid should have just gone out and and hung out by itself because Shrieker's going to come out of it eventually, and those will give rise to ass blasters, and they'll have eggs. Like, it doesn't need to protect this one egg, unless it's sterile. Well, it's not like it's the only egg, but I think just protecting your young. I mean, Jacob, that's like saying, you have two daughters, one's out there, but, you, you know, you have another. Yeah, it's, it's called Sophie's Choice. I mean, there's a whole <laughs> film about it. That, no, this is the last egg. That is that is underlined. This is the only egg left. Yeah, but Shriekers will come out, I mean, they tell it at the beginning. I, I, getting out of this film, because they're not, they don't care about that, I'm sure but shriekers would come out of this thing eventually. Where? There's no shrieker in this evolution. I think African evolution has skipped the shrieker stage. They go straight to ass blaster? Yes. Then they shouldn't have given us that intro at the beginning. They should have given us a different intro. I thought they'd have shriekers too, but none of this matters because we're going to have the stupidest ending that I can think of 
the entire town come together to build a contraption. I thought that maybe they were building a net or a cage. They're doing something so that lightning can strike. Now, I want to just try to visualize this for our listeners. There's a town with a bunch of small houses and huts and things, you know, like, what would you call them? Poorly built houses. And they're all standing on the roofs of these houses like you do in a Tremors film so that the grab boy doesn't get you. And in the middle of these houses is this contraption they've put together with some kind of lightning rod. The lightning rod is lower than the people on the roofs. (laughs) That is a design flaw. The people will get struck by lightning. Lightning goes to the highest point. And so somehow... I thought maybe the Graboid was just coming. They still have the egg, which they have placed in... There's a monolith, apparently, in the middle of this town, or this safari park. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's in some kind of a bassinet there, and the Graboid's going to jump up to eat the egg? I mean, I don't know why it's going for the egg with its mouth. Yeah, to catch it, like, you know, like a, a, a mommy whatever animal will take its, you know, like a mommy cat will take the kitten and it's grab it by the gruff of its neck and carry it away. It's going to do something like that. And that's when lightning happens to strike as intended. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on. You actually broke it down in more detail than I could. I just saw people doing things with... But like she shot an arrow into the sky at one point. Like, does that draw the lightning? I couldn't tell what was going on. I got the inference without understanding the mechanics. They're doing stuff to conduct electricity from the storm so that it will fry the worm midair and throw orange goo over everyone. They did cut a line there where Jamie Kennedy said, well, now I know what it's like to be Jenna Jameson. Mm, too dated. <laughs> it, it took me a second to even go, who? <laughs> but yes, he doesn't get with... Nandi, good choice on her part and the movies. He is going to stay with his father. We kind of skipped over it. We we mentioned it in passing, but they did have that moment where he finally came clean and said, my mom was the flower child you met in the parking lot of the gun show. It was left meets right for one night. And he was there selling his dad's guns at the gun show. At one point, Bert was a hippie. No, no, no. I th- I thought it was a whole thing with the hippie getting together with the gun nut. Opposite of track. That was the joke. I didn't get that he was... I, I mean, he might have been selling his weapons, but, like, I don't think he was a pacifist. Yeah, I don't think he was selling... I mean, he just wanted to get some new guns. He's like, I got no use for these old guns. Like, I didn't think he was a hippie, too. Uh, they were Romeo and Juliet of the, you know... Of Florida. Uh, yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> And they had even mentioned Reba's gun that, you know, that she took with her in the divorce and all of that. I was a little surprised that Jamie Kennedy wasn't Reba's kid. I guess they felt like that would have been too weird. Yeah, because they didn't have a kid in the first one. I guess he could have been away at college or something. They abandoned him, like that she completely (laughs) gave him up and like went into the foster care system. Would have been maybe a little too cruel. But that is the relationship that they have at the end of the movie. And we should be happy that they're going to be starring in videos together yeah i do gotta ask were they going for a second season of the tv show or a third season however far they got like did they want it was this an attempt like it was going to be michael gross and jamie kennedy as the survivalists like going around hunting monsters there were no plans for any more tv series at this point oh no but that was a thing like dog like he has his whole family right in the business they're all arresting people like even the children or somehow yep 
And the Pawn Stars with the fighting father and son. And grandfather, yeah. Three generations. That feels in keeping with reality shows, as much as I understand them. I kind of liked the ending. I liked the bringing in of Jamie Kennedy to the show. I like what it might portend. But did we like this movie? Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Tremors 5 Bloodlines? Jacob. You know, as we get further and further into this franchise, I, I said I, I've watched all these before, but look, did, was I given my full attention the first time? No. And some of these films, there, there are only one or two things that stick out to me. And this one, it's all about that lion cage and, and just the, all that piss dousing himself. <laughs> it just feels so desperate. Is that why you're going to give it a red arrow, that lion? If they remove that scene, would you forgive the movie? It would have a different flavor to me. It, it just feels desperate. Like, I feel bad for Michael Gross at that moment. That's fine. You you found a little niche with doing these Tremors movies, but it feels mean-spirited. I guess he wanted that paycheck because he went through it, but... <laughs> Two girls, one cup kind of cruelty. Is that what you're saying? Yes. It, it, I literally feel bad for him Like at that moment. I'm like, this is embarrassing. No one, especially at 68, I had no idea he was that old. <laughs> Looking good for his age. Like, this is. It's elder abuse, damn it. It, it is like, ooh. but that is my one thing. If you said Tremors 5, I could say Michael Gross drinks his piss, pisses on himself, a lion pisses on him. And here's the thing that, that first Tremors movie, I totally forgot there. Okay, Kevin Bacon takes a piss. But, you know, there's a scene where they're doing the septic tank and the shit sprays all over him. I don't remember that from Tremors because that's a good film and there's so much more entertaining stuff. Like, I don't get caught up on that. This one, there are interesting things. Like like I said, I, I was impressed by the CGI. I liked certain characters conceptually. They end up not doing much. And, and I feel like that's kind of this film. It's like, yeah, here's here's a bunch of stuff. It's just loud and stuff happens. And Jamie Kennedy makes dick jokes. And again, I feel like this a similar problem to 4, though I enjoyed 4 much more than this one. There's not enough monsters for this to be a fun B monster movie. And there's not enough just fun characters for me to just get lost in an ensemble piece uh, like has been a successful thing for some of those other Tremors films so the surprise is I don't feel like this is a big downgrade in quality maybe it's just my age and, and the sense of humor this is going for we're just at different levels we're just not compatible but I gotta X this one I, I gotta give it a red arrow I just I Michael Gross you're you're above that I would have been disappointed if you didn't exit. I mean, after all of this Jamie <laughs> Kennedy hate, I'm like, I'm going to exit for you. Wouldn't that be the shock? Like, Jamie Kennedy's actually good, Green Arrow. But no, <laughs> not recommend. Stuart. I actually find it difficult to disparage this film. I think, no, it did not go off the grid. It's not as extreme as Birch. And these bloodlines follow a very familiar pattern, which is to say that Tremors 5 thinks more about what worked in Tremors 1 through 4 then it's thinking about new scenarios or taking risks with the new characters. It basically takes Trimmers 1 from small town Nevada, puts it in Africa, and yeah, makes Michael Gross and Jamie Kennedy the new Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. And so if you accept the limitations of straight-to-video entertainment, that feels okay to do? It does feel about right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it feels in keeping for a part five of a B-movie series. Jacob, I think what it is, is you made me feel like this is going to be a huge dip down. But yeah, the Graboy didn't jump the shark. I do think that this is more or less in spirit of all of the other ones. And I think the reason that you may not want to do it is because everyone reaches that point when you push away from the table and you say, no more, mom, I don't need it. 
Maybe you're asking to be excused from the tremors table because you just don't want any more. And I'm not going to scream at you, sit your ass down and finish your plate. (laughs) I get that. Like, I feel done. I feel like I could have stopped even with the first one and been happy. But recognizing that I'm going through the whole journey, I found it very uncontroversial. I felt like it went down without complaint. The tribe didn't have a bone in its nose. It wasn't overtly trashy racist. I, I, it got close with that dance scene, with that festival. I feel like, it again, they avoided all the traps that I expected them to fall into, and they more or less delivered on its limited means. I mean, Stuart, they do call a, an African guy dark chocolate. I missed that line, and I'm glad that I did. I, I guess my point is I don't feel it's leftovers you know like that's what you're being served here it's not something fresh sprinkle some african seasoning on decade-old ideas and eat up and if you can do that i think that yeah it's fine i have to meet this movie where it's at and for straight to the video entertainment this is perfectly acceptable mild recommend i get what you're saying Stuart. this isn't a huge departure from the others but what i find here is that you were right in that What makes Tremors isn't Michael Gross. It's been Perfection Nevada. Mm -hmm. When they went to Mexico, I was like, okay. It looked like perfection. Yeah, it did. But we didn't have the townspeople. It had a very small crew, but I enjoyed it well enough. Three out of the five movies have made Perfection Central. And the people in Perfection. And again, if you listen to what I said about that TV series, it's all about Perfection. Definitely. And the townspeople and the family, you know, the surrogate family they become being a town of eight people and they all have to live in it, you know, and work together to keep the town afloat. And so it does come down to the townspeople and here they have no returning characters. And to be honest, when I found out they were going to South Africa for this, I knew instantly what I was going to get, which was, we're going to make the entire film take place in South Africa so we can hire all local South African actors. We're not going to have anybody we know from the previous films or from any other body of work than Jamie Kennedy and Michael Gross. And we're going to have all these other people around and it lives or dies on them. And I have to say, because this movie feels like a tossed salad of incomplete hollow characters and a stupefying ending it's a weak not recommend it is worse than average tremors it is worse than your average tremors sci-fi tv episode writing the fact that i don't care about these people i was wavering until that stupid back to the future ripoff ending where somehow lightning strikes at the exact right second and then i'm just like i feel betrayed by this movie's ending and can't possibly recommend it i mean this is par for the course for that again you got to look at it like this is not theatrical and it would help if this got rebooted and treated like a real movie i'll go ahead and use that as a description if it were a real movie i would hold it to a different standard is maybe part of the problem here that we're just watching copies and we're not going to see any innovation. That is a problem for me is they've gone through the life cycle. What are you going to do to change up? Because that's what impressed me. Like that second one was a genuine surprise the first time I watched. I'm like, well, I, I actually like this. Like this, yeah, give it some more money and put it out in theaters. This is pretty good. But they set up that trope like we're gonna have a different kind of tremor a new evolution and like if we're just gonna travel around the world now and just get the same repeats in these movies like 
ah, that's not my thing. Right. That seems to be the formula. I've seen the poster for the next one, and it's like, same movie with ice. Like, it's got to be yeah. the thinking of, like, we can just keep doing it. And then, obviously, Shrieker Island, tropical, right? Palm trees and sands. Here's the thing is, I'm actually really enjoying this series and would love another good Tremors movie, a good round with the worms. But, Stuart, it sounds like you're grading on a curve. And the thing is, I think we always do to a degree. We don't judge... TV movies quite as harshly as we will a theatrical film. We don't judge low budget quite the way we do a $500 million picture. But to me, it always comes down to entertaining or not, smart or stupid. And this was slightly not entertaining and stupid. Again, I could have probably left all of the sequels. Like, honestly, just looking at this, I don't think I needed any of the other ones. But I don't feel like any of them have been egregious missteps either. The third one to me is still the weakest, but they're all within the balance. And I just feel like maybe the problem is the more we get of of that quality, the less and less charming it becomes. I mean, you haven't enjoyed the, the last couple. I mean, I feel like your review for this one is almost the same as the one last week. To me, they're stair-stepping down, you know? And la- three was a weak recommend. Four was a weak not recommend. This was a slightly stronger not recommend. I feel like this is a series in a creative death spiral. And I'm crossing my fingers that next time it'll do better. I've seen some stills from it. It looks more interesting going to the Arctic or something, somewhere with snow. So... Maybe that'll invigorate this franchise a little bit, but I need more than Jamie Kennedy to give this the green. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I hear you. And again, I don't, I hope I'm not coming across as someone that's saying this was great and, and. No, I, I think we're all on the same page, actually. Yeah. It's just, if you liked what we talked about, then go watch it. You'll, you'll, you'll like it. I don't, I'm not going to begrudge someone that. Yeah. I, I would not say I like this movie. I would say I found it pleasantly diverting to watch. Well, is the next one going to be? Because we're reaching the end of the films we know about. Tremor, Shrieker Island, Part 7. Not out yet, as of this recording. It's coming out. Two weeks. But when people were clamoring for us to do Tremors earlier this year, next would have been the last. This is the end of the films we have in hand. The last of Jamie Kennedy as well. Will this be good enough? We'll find out. And in the meantime... The Hills Have Eyes and Silver Level are coming to a close as well. We are at the, follow me here, we're at the (laughs) remakes sequel. Not the Hills Have Eyes 2 with the dirt bikes, but the one with all the National Guardsmen. I don't think it's that confusing. Texas Chainsaw did the same thing with the Arlie Ermy stuff. Wait, so in this remake, are they going to get Jamie Kennedy in it to ride the dirt bikes? (laughs) (laughs) No more Jamie Kennedy. I would just absolutely love immediate green arrow, Michael Berryman meets Graboids. (laughs) The hills have Graboids? Yeah, I feel like that. I I think what you're saying and what I'm going to really endorse is I feel like these worms need something else, some other (laughs) icons. We got to do better than Michael Gross. The Battle of the Michaels, Michael Gross v. Michael Berryman. What's what's Meredith Baxter Bernie doing these days? (laughs) A Family Ties reunion within a Tremors movie? (laughs) Actually, around the time of this, she and Michael Gross starred together as Mr. and Mrs. Claus in some Hallmark Channel Christmas movie. Eesh. (laughs) So things could be worse than Tremors 5. Indeed. 
So we hope you'll join us this Friday for The Hills Have Eyes. You can find the details on our website. And thanks to our friends at Universal and Paramount, we have some giveaways going on. This week, we're giving away five digital download codes to the new sci-fi comedy, Spontaneous, with Katherine Langford and Charlie Plummer as teenagers trying to survive a pandemic that has their classmates spontaneously combusting. I bet this was a funnier concept before COVID and the release. But it's a coming-of-age love story about growing up and blowing up. So we're giving away five digital download codes if you are subscribed to our now-playing In Focus newsletter. If you're already subscribed, you're already entered to win. And if not, head to our website, hit the subscribe link, subscribe to the In Focus newsletter, and then you'll be entered to win. And after we give away the copies of Spontaneous, we are going to be giving away, thanks to Universal, we have 10 digital download codes for Tremors Shrieker Island. Again, as Stuart mentioned, it comes out a week from today, October 20th. Our review is coming out in two weeks, so subscribe to the Now Playing In Focus newsletter, and you can be one of ten lucky people to win. Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me, and everyone, thank you for listening to Now Playing, the podcast hotter than a 50 cal on full auto. We killed him. We killed it. Fuck you! <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. Now this is low. We have got to set our sights a little bit higher. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Nobody handles garbage better than we do. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. See, we plan ahead. That way we don't do anything right now. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. Let's be honest, you've got a lot of red in your ledger. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. Is there some higher force at work here? I mean, are we asking too much of life? You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. I would venture that it matters not how you spend your money, but how you spend your life. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. I mean, we could make some real money on this thing. We could get in People Magazine. You can also join the Now Playing patron campaign through our Podbean site. We don't have much of a budget, you know. It's not a high priority in Washington, okay? Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. You have asked for some uh, unusual things. Find the details on our website. I bet you made a fortune off this. Well, somebody did. Sure wasn't me. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. 
Lead, follow, or get out of my way. I'll lead. That's not an option. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Last check. How many Twitter followers did you have, huh? Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. You're underachieving big time, my man. You should be a global brand. Come on. Associate produced by Jason Latham. There he is. Huh? The man, the myth, the legend. Now Playing is edited by Stephen, Heath, and Arnie. Doing what I can with what I got. Now Playing credits read by Brock. I just bet that you could charm a cow right out of her calf with those fancy words. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I feel I've not been privy to critical, most needful information. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. But I do not dwell on that over which I have no control. That's great. I have to do all the dwelling. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. She's been flipping off the feds longer than Wesley Snipes. It's got to be a record. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2020, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Your little jungle boat ride is over, mister. Time to fish or cut bait. And we lost Jacob. This night is just never happening. For real? <laughs> nope, I'm here. I Sorry, I was on mute, and I thought I took it off mute. <laughs> you did not lose me. I just was uh, muted. <laughs> okay, I will start over. Was a big Tremors fan and came around and said... Said he liked David Bowie a lot. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> he called you. He, he heard his ears were burning. You were talking about him. They were probably always. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Even then, it was uh, what was Burt Ward? Burt Ward. Fred, Fred Ward's <laughs> name.